The priests entered the inner part of the Lord's house to cleanse it. They brought every unclean thing that they found in the Lord's temple out into the courtyard of the house of the Lord. The Levites took it and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. So um, if we go here, they, so the things they found in the temple, they brought out, the priests brought out. Then the Levites picked them up and took them outside into the Kidron Valley, which is basically out the front gate of Jerusalem. And you get the impression that they just threw them down the hill. Um, now, if it was a little statue or something, what might somebody do who was poor? I would hope pick it up and melt it, but somebody might pick it up and sell it or just put it away for use or make it a toy or something like that or you know, put a little bit of uh, straw on the head and give it to their daughter as a doll or something or whatever you might do. But, but some of these things were probably not metal. If there were statues to false gods, I would expect the statues to have bases and a, the base of a statue could get used as part of a wall somewhere or, or the kind of thing my grandma used to have outside the door that you could scrape your shoe on before you went inside after you were in the barn and things like that. Um, so um, down in the Kidron Valley. Today the Kidron Valley is what? Cemetery. Cemetery. Have you seen, um, I'm going to stick my toe out here. Have you seen Schindler's List? Do you remember the end of Schindler's List, the modern day part of Schindler's List, where it flips to color? I don't mean the little girl's red coat. I mean the end of the movie where they're in, they're in a, obviously in a cemetery and there is Oscar Schindler's grave and they're putting stones on it. I believe that's in the Kidron Valley. So that there's, there, it's, a, it's a vast cemetery. And where else, do you, where else do you bury people? In Jerusalem. You know, but out in the... Out in the out. But that's also why you can't do archaeology there. Because it's a cemetery. So there, it, 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 it defeats the purpose of, 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 of preserving Jerusalem to, to bury the modern residents of Jerusalem there. But it's what's been done and there's nothing you can do about it. On the first day of the first month, and now my question is, what month is this? You know, at, at, in the beginning of the, of the chapter, we had the, the beginning of, of his reign, the first month of his reign. Is that different than this first month? Because very clearly, this first month is the first month of their calendar, the month of Nisan. We're going to see that later. But is this the same as the other one? And I'm kind of questioning, was he on the throne for maybe a month or two? And now they come to the first month, and they don't mean his first month, they now mean the calendar first month. So does that, does that make sense? Remember the words Gordian knot? Sometimes? Okay. By the eighth day of the month, they had gotten as far as the porch of the Lord. So for, for a week, they've been working their way outward from probably the Holy of Holies, because they had to cleanse it too. So I would, I would guess that the high priest went in there even though he wasn't authorized on that day. But let's get the stuff out of there. You have to get this, the junk out. And did, were you with me when I talked about uh, how, the, how they cleaned up the Holy of Holies? That there may have actually been a kind of a primitive elevator? There may have been holes in the ceiling through which they could lower a platform with a priest on it down into the Holy of Holies 
Who could clean up a mess? Like let's say a mouse died in there or something. Or a cat killed a bat or something. And you got to clean it up. So he can't go through the curtain. So what evidently the Israelites did was they just let him down through the ceiling to repair or whatever. And then they, then they would, you know, winch him back up again and, and he would go back up again. And so they, act, they got to go in. They just couldn't go through the curtain. That's, you see that legalism that's showing up there? I mean, why go through all of that? But, I mean, you could just give the high priest a broom on the Day of Atonement and say, before you come out, you know, but anyway, that's not what they did. By the eighth day of the month, they have gotten as far as the porch of the Lord. They continued to purify the house of the Lord for eight more days. On the 16th day of the first month, they completed the work. Now, the problem is, what was supposed to happen on the 14th of the first month? Passover. They've missed Passover by two days. But they were cleaning up. They had a lot of junk to bring out and to purify and maybe to... I don't know if they had alcohol wipes. For one thing, they didn't have alcohol. That's a distilled substance. So they, they didn't have the technology yet, but they had hot water at least. Um, and so, I don't know, although they had vinegar. Um, they went into King Hezekiah and said, we have cleansed the entire house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Not exactly sure what the utensils would have been, but all of those things they would use for... Um, transporting hot coals and ashes and the dishes for eating and all of that stuff, tongs and so forth. We have cleansed the house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the table for the presentation of bread and all its utensils. We have prepared and consecrated all the utensils which King Ahaz discarded during his reign when he was unfaithful. Maybe they were just in a garbage pit somewhere. Look, they are right there in front of the altar of the Lord. So they had taken them all out into the, into the courtyard and laid them all out. I, I'm envisioning um, dish towels with gold and silver articles on them, all clean and shining in the sunlight. They're, they're, everything's been washed and cleaned, and there it all is, like an inventory of everything. When mom used to clean the silver, you know, there, there it all is. King Hezekiah got up early. He gathered the officials of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, and seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom. Which of those four is a sin offering? Do you recognize this yet? Maybe not. It's the goats. The goats. Lambs, rams, and bulls are either burnt offerings, the whole thing goes up in smoke, or they are fellowship offerings, depending on what you do with them. But a goat is a sin offering. Ah, so an offering for the kingdom, the sanctuary, and for Judah. He commanded the sons of Aaron, the priests, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they've repaired the altar, and now, and I've got it on your sheet, the offering review is, the first is the sin or guilt offering to atone for sin. That's the goat. You burn the, you kill the goat and burn the goat. That's the sin offering. On the great day of atonement, there is one goat offered and one only, and that's for the sin of all the people. For the priest, before he can do it, he has to offer a bull as a sin offering for himself. 
and then a goat for the whole kingdom. And I agree with that ratio in my attitude as a pastor. If I'm holding up my hands to, to think about the sins of the congregation as I'm offering the forgiveness from Christ, I'm thinking, yeah, a bull for me and a goat for everybody else is the right ratio. You know, it, it, it's, uh, you know I think about the, the, the guilt of my own sin and the burden of that, and I would, I would do anything. But a goat, the symbolic goat for the people, is the right, is the right thing. Then after the sin offering goes up, then the burnt offering, they just burn them completely to show total dedication to the Lord. Lord, you get this whole thing. And then after that, fellowship offerings, various different animals, and then things like bread and grain and salt and fruit and wine and beer uh, all got offered. Beer was also the uh, offering they did on the morning and evening sacrifice when they offered the lambs. It was a quart of beer. With, uh, with every lamb, morning and evening, every single day, or it was supposed to be anyway. Um, uh, and then they would eat. And, and so this is what they do. They slaughtered the cattle. The priests collected the blood and splashed it against the altar. They killed the rams and splashed the blood against the altar. Here's a PL verb, splash. Does it mean to throw it hard or to throw it again and again and again against all four sides? I think it means both. Um, they killed the lambs and splashed the blood against the altar. Then they brought the male goats for the sin offering to the king and the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. Remember, the goat is the sin offering. So lay your hands on the goat to transfer sin to the goat. Then the priests slaughtered them and made a sin offering with their blood on the altar to make atonement for all Israel because the king had commanded a burnt offering and a sin offering for all Israel. He stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres, according to the command of David, of Gad, the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet, because, and I have this verse, I think, printed for you, a command that comes through the hands of his prophets is a command from the hand of the Lord. Isn't that a remarkable passage? What the prophets say is a command of the Lord. Um, the Levites stood with the musical instruments prescribed by David, and the priests stood with the trumpets. This also, that verse also speaks to the writing of the prophets because one of the prophets living at this time and writing is the prophet Isaiah. Along with Isaiah at this time, the prophet Hosea and the prophet Amos uh, Joel had lived a little bit earlier, but the writing prophets are now there around in Israel um, and will be there until the end of the kingdom um, and beyond, uh, even after the exile. Oh, the Levites stood with the musical instruments prescribed by David, and the priests stood with the trumpets. Um, this, I'm, I'm not done writing today's email devotion, but it exactly corresponds to this passage it's fascinating. There, when, when Moses commanded the Israelites, right before they, they entered the land of Canaan, they attacked the Midianites and to, for revenge on the sin of the Baal of Peor and so forth. This is where Balaam, the prophet, is killed. It's in this, it's in this war. And the priests bring out, bring out articles from the tabernacle and trumpets. 
And the question, to, to, in order to lead the, the battle. And the question is, what articles would the priest bring out of the tabernacle to go into battle? Well, it's not the Ark of the Covenant because it's articles, kali, plural. And it's not the Urim and Thummim because the priest mentioned is the son of the high priest. He's not high priest yet. The high priest is still living. So what articles are they? And there's a case where I believe, and I, 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 forgive me, if you get the email devotion and get bored by this paragraph, forgive me, but I wanted to say it out loud. Sometimes in Hebrew and in Greek, the word and doesn't mean also. It means that is to say or namely. Okay? So the articles that is to say are namely the trumpets. I believe that's what's being talked about in that verse. And it does correspond to this one, doesn't it? Here's the priest, he comes out and he's holding up the trumpets. Well, they're articles of the Lord from the tabernacle, but that's what he was holding. Not something and the trumpets, but the trumpets. Make sense? Okay. That's my after lunch task is to finish writing that and email it to everybody. Hezekiah commanded that the burnt offering be offered on the altar. At the time that the burnt offering began, the song to the Lord and the trumpets also began. While the instruments prescribed by David, king of Israel, were playing, the whole assembly bowed down and worshipped. The singers sang, the trumpeters sounded the trumpets. All this continued until the burnt offering was completed. So I think the, the author is trying to tell us that just as they started this, the music started, and the music lasted exactly as long as it took to finish the sacrifice. You know, as if to say, this was really cool, this is really something, but it, just, it was just the, exactly the right amount of time, and so forth. When the burnt offering was finished, the king and those present with him bowed down and worshipped. King Hezekiah and his officials commanded the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. They sang glad praises and bowed down and worshipped. And Hezekiah responded, Now you have taken up your duty for the Lord. There you go. Now you have taken up your duty to the Lord. Approach and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. The assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings. All those whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings. So a burnt offering gets totally consumed. So a fellowship offering we eat, but a burnt offering it goes up in smoke. Is that clear? The number of burnt offerings which the assembly brought was 70 cattle, 100 rams, 200 lambs. All these served as burnt offerings to the Lord. The consecrated offerings, that is, now we eat, consisted of 600 cattle and 3,000 sheep. That's a lot of sheep. But the priests were too few to be able to skin all the burnt offerings. So their brothers, the Levites, helped them until the work was completed and until more priests had consecrated themselves because the Levites were more upright in heart than in consecrating themselves than the priests. Isn't that a curious verse? That, you know, they were outstripping their, 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 their cousins and so forth and uh, more of them had done this. Well, in addition to the great number of burnt offerings, they presented both the fat of the fellowship offerings and the drink offerings that accompanied the burnt offerings. So the service of the house of the Lord was restored. Some burnt offerings required beer, some required wine. All of them required salt and grain and bread and fruit and vegetables and other things. 
Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced because God had restored this for the people and all this had been done very quickly. Chapter 30, the great Passover celebration. Hezekiah sent messengers to all Israel and Judah. He also wrote letters inviting Ephraim and Manasseh to come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover before the Lord, the God of Israel. These are the, the remnant up north. The king, his officials, and the whole assembly in Jerusalem had made plans to celebrate the Passover in the second month. Can you imagine doing Christmas in late January? Can you imagine everybody doing Christmas in late January? It'd be a little bit different, wouldn't it? They were not able to celebrate it at its proper time because the priests had not consecrated themselves in sufficient number and the people had not assembled in Jerusalem. The plan seemed right in the eyes of the king and in the eyes of the whole assembly, so they decided to issue a proclamation throughout Israel from Beersheba to Dan. Usually the expression is from Dan to Beersheba, north to south. Now it's the opposite because it's going south to north, from Beersheba to Dan. To, observe, to come to observe the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel, at Jerusalem, because they had not been celebrating it with large numbers of people as had been commanded. Runners were sent out with letters from the hand of the king and from his officials to all Israel and Judah. Because of the command of the king, they made the following announcement. This is about four verses long. People of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Israel, and he will return to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hands of the kings of Assyria. There's both law and gospel in this pronouncement, isn't there? You must not be like your fathers or like your brothers who were unfaithful to the Lord, the God of their fathers. That is why he gave them up to desolation, as you see. Now you must not be stiff-necked like your fathers. Give your hand to the Lord. Come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your brothers and your children will be shown compassion in the presence of their captors and be permitted to return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. He will not turn his face from, away from you if you return to him. The runners went from city to city through the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, even as far as Zebulun, that's up by the Sea of Galilee. That's where um, Nazareth would be. But the people laughed at them and ridiculed them. Nevertheless, some men from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Asher is way up on the seacoast, so a few came. But in Judah, the hand of God was present to give them one heart to follow the command of the king and the command of the officials in agreement with the word of the Lord. Many people gathered in Jerusalem to keep the festival of unleavened bread in the second month, a very great assembly. They quickly removed the altars from Jerusalem. Remember that um, Hezekiah's father had put altars on every street corner all over the city. I talked about that like you know, finding hitching posts everywhere. They took them all down. They threw them into the, into the Kidron Valley. So again, down to the... This is a picture of the Kidron Valley um, almost 100 years ago. Do you see in front of the people, um, the line kind of uh, um, has a little blip upward about two-thirds of the way down? Do you see the tent in front of them? Can you make that out in the picture? 
That is the tomb of Absalom, David's son. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. It wasn't a dump yet. And probably in Absalom's time, it was still that forest. But you see the, the, the city wall of Jerusalem up above there, though. That's pretty clear there. They slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the second month. The priests and Levites had been put to shame, so they consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. They took up their positions as prescribed in the law of Moses, the man of God, the priests splashed the blood which was given to them by the Levites against the altar. So what was supposed to happen is each offerer slits the throat of his own lamb. The Levite catches it, takes it to the priest, the priest throws it on the altar. But because many of the assembly had not consecrated themselves, the Levites carried out the slaughtering of the Passover lambs for everyone who was not ceremonially clean to make them holy to the Lord. Some people couldn't be there, but they came anyway. They didn't understand anymore. You know, they were, they were still kind of getting it and learning. A large number of the people, many of them from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun, had not purified themselves, but they ate the Passover anyway in a manner not in keeping with what is written. Do we have a problem maybe brewing here? Well, the king is quick. Hezekiah prayed for them. May the good Lord pardon everyone all around, that is, everyone who seeks God the Lord, the God of his fathers, with all his heart, even though he does not have the ceremonial purity required by the holy place. How often do you see the phrase, the good Lord, actually in the Bible? Not very often, but here it is. Here it is, the good Lord. The Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Um, healed them from what? Well, this is from the Concordia Self-Study Commentary. Some of you might own this. I think that many of you probably have the Concordia Study Bible, but this is the other one, the, the companion book, the commentary. The worshipers did not die in their uncleanness because they did not willfully disregard the ritual prescriptions. The Lord healed them, that is to say, he did not let their uncleanness result in their death. As the Sabbath was made for man, Jesus said, man, not man for the Sabbath, all other ceremonial laws were not an end to themselves. So they understood it. Why didn't the Pharisees in Jesus' time understand? But they didn't. The people of Israel who were present in Jerusalem observed the festival of unleavened bread for seven days with great rejoicing. The Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day with loud instruments for the Lord, we ever have a loud festival that goes on in New Elm? <laughs> Occasionally. Sometimes even cannons. Things. Hezekiah encouraged the hearts of all the Levites who displayed wonderful skills in service of the Lord, both musically and, I guess, uh, in their culinary skills. These are basically fast-working chefs, you know. They ate the food of the festival for the appointed seven days, presenting fellowship sacrifices and giving thanks to the Lord, the God of their fathers. The entire assembly agreed to celebrate for another seven days. I can, I can hear lambs in Bethlehem saying, uh-oh. <laughs> they gladly did it for another seven days because Hezekiah, king of Judah, provided 
1,000 bulls and 7,000 sheep for the assembly, and the officials contributed 1,000 bulls and 10,000 sheep for the assembly. The priests consecrated themselves in great number. Finally, the priests come around. You know, maybe we better be holy to do all this stuff, so they do. There's a, there's a consecration ceremony that involves blood on what? The um, earlobe, the thumb, and the big toe of the priests as they are ordained and consecrated. That's in Leviticus. And there's a sacrifice and so forth. The whole assembly of Judah rejoiced together with the priests, the Levites, the entire assembly from Israel, the aliens who resided in the land of Israel, and the people who lived in Judah. So three groups. The northerners, the foreigners, and the locals. They're all getting along and doing this. There was great joy in Jerusalem since be, because since the time of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Then the Levitical priests arose and blessed the people and their voice was heard. Their prayer ascended to the Lord's holy dwelling in heaven. Imagine for a moment if we discovered from the scriptures that something that we confessed or believed or did in worship or the life of the church went against the will of God as Judah just did. How might we make a change? How might we show our repentance? And what might be the temptation? Say that again. We'd certainly have to correct it, but wouldn't we have to correct it in a public way? Some big, splashy public way? That's what this was. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of what it would be, although I can imagine from an ancestor of mine who believed that curly hair was a sin. Um, that's also in one of those 19th century novels. I forget what, which one it is. But where, um, therefore, if anybody, if, 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 if a child would come to a school with curly hair, they would just shave their head, boy or girl. You know, because that must be, that, that goes against the word of God somehow. You know, so what if, what if we had been following that all of these years and then realized, oh, but that's okay. You know, you know, um, so Pastor Smith might be uh, permitted back in the congregation at that time, you know, something along those lines. Then, um, yeah, left-handed people and things like that. So, you know, we would have to make some kind of bold proclamation. And that's what Luther was asking for. That's how the Reformation happened. There have been these errors. We have to correct the errors. And more than that, we have to publish why we're correcting the errors. That's what the Augsburg Confession was. Um, but it was rejected because the, the temptation is to say, no, we're not going to do that. We're happier with status quo. You know, I'd rather go on being wrong than admit that I was wrong. Well, Lord, keep us from such things. Thanks for staying late. God bless you. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.